Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Joining me to kick off today's show is my friend, a best-selling author and a CEO, Bob Glazer. Bob, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Molly, for having me. So uh, you have been at the helm of Acceleration Partners, your company, for almost 13 years. I know one of the company's key success factors is culture. And you told me that over the past decade, you've actually grown 30% per year. You've got about 180 folks around the globe, um, no outside capital. That is unbelievable. Would um, you share a bit about your culture, how you've evolved it, how you've shaped it? I know it's top of mind for so many folks. Sure. And, and, you know, I think we made a conscious decision that we were going to develop a differentiated culture and then grow based on that culture, not have a culture of, of growth. Um, and, and so I think when I think about our growth, a lot of that is because we've invested in people, uh, grown our team up from within. I think that's very different than companies that just are, are growth first, which can be detrimental to the culture. So one of the things uh, about us is that we say we're, we're not for everyone. We think we're a really great place to work, <laughs> probably for about 1% or 2% of people, and we just try to be really honest with ourselves and the world about what we value and, and consistent. So then you know, what, we're, what we think, what we say, and what we do are, are, are the same. So our core values really are our core values. We have a vision about where we want to go, and, and that's exciting to some people and to other people, uh, it's not or may not be in alignment, and, and our job is to really, you know, find the people who are excited about uh, the mission that we're on. I, I think one of the things I've learned in my own journey is that you just you can't be everything to everyone, and I think when we think about a great culture, we think about um, paying people well and treating people well and good benefits, not, not ping pong and, and, and food table, and while those things are all true, to me, a great culture uh, is, is actually one that's that's differentiated, and I don't, I don't know that it's universally what one person would think is a great culture, another person would think is a great culture. Oh, I love the intention on that. That's really important because I think people look at, well, great culture means X, and what I'm hearing you folks is just knowing what it means to you. And, that, and what I'm really piqued by is, you know, this notion of growing the culture, not a culture of growth, because I think you know, we see all around grow, grow, grow. I mean, people feel a lot of pressure to grow. So talk to me about, I mean, that must've been something that was pressing upon you or maybe it wasn't, you know, they, cause that's everybody else is like, we gotta, we gotta grow, you know, and that's like yeah. at all costs. <laughs> well, we, we, so we don't have, you know, venture capital. And I think that's one of the biggest catalysts for people to just focus on growth and on the short term and not the long term. But, on the flip side, we do believe that growth is important. We think if you hire smart people, if you invest in them, if they're looking to grow personally and professionally and the organization has no growth, then you know, that, 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 that doesn't work either. So we've about 80 or 90% of our leadership uh, has all 
come up and has are you know are in the highest position they've been in. So that's really been our our, our framework of capacity building, which is how, how do we focus on building our team members holistically, and and we get the the business benefit of that, and they get the the personal benefit of that um, outside work, and and frankly, it's just more fun. I think our our, our culture is is really about improvement, um, you know, and our and, and aligns to our core values, which are very simple and don't need an index card, and that's own it, embrace relationships, and excel and improve. That's fantastic. Can you say more about? you know, holistically helping people develop, you know, for an individual, some folks listening, you know, their employee, what, what, what does that, uh, what's the experience of that for them? Yeah, so we actually, um, we, we were doing this for years, we just didn't have the verbiage around it, and in the writing of my book, Elevate, and the, the four elements of capacity building, I think we got the, the, the framework for what we were doing, which is helping people focus on their spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional capacity. So helping them figure out what they want, what their core values are, and making sure that's aligned to their personal leadership strategy. Intellectual capacity is about improvement, getting better, faster, smarter, uh, growth mindset, um, you know, once you know what you want, learning. Um, physical, I, I think, you know, we are a flexible work environment. We've helped people hire coaches. We really think we love seeing people sign up for races and do things outside of work and push their physical limits because we think that they're, they're healthier and they, they perform better. And then emotional capacity is really about relationships and how you engage with others and how you react to things outside of your control. And we're constantly working on things with people around, you know, how to have difficult conversations and how to be vulnerable and how to incorporate those things into their leadership. And, and we just think those are holistic principles. Like, they are work principles, but they're, they're life principles as well. But I, I've never seen someone who doesn't know what they want, doesn't like to learn, is tired and exhausted, and doesn't get along well with people personally, who, who shows up to work and, and, and excels at those things professionally. That's great. That's great. So people in life, you know, we try to, to be our best, we try to do our best, but we go through ups and downs. Um, and part of what I'm hearing is, is you know, I don't want to say family, but it's just a very nurturing, we're in it together spirit that you have. Can you talk a little bit about when folks have had rough patches and how have you as an organization perhaps rallied for them or helped them, you know, to kind of people fall down a little bit and bounce back? I'm just curious because, you know, people have stuff goes on, you know, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I, I, look, a lot of people are, are attracted and apply for jobs at our company because they see the cultural awards and they see all that stuff. We're actually honest with people, too, that uh, our goal is to be a market leader. <laughs> we have that growth. We have very high performance standards. So, so that it's also, it's not really a middle lane place to work. In fact, one of my favorite reviews I think I read on Glassdoor was this was the best and hardest job I've ever, I've ever had. So, but we also recognize then when life gets in the way. And, and I think for, for it, it's really getting to the root of problems and honest conversations. Like an example I always give, like someone might be late for work and they might be perpetually late for work. And you might react to the fact that they're late, but if you, if you have psychological safety and you get into an honest discussion, 
It could be that they're late because they lost their childcare, and what they really need is to reorganize their schedule in the short term, and that relieves a lot of pressure. You know, it could be late because they're just having some personal problems outside of work, and uh, they're kind of overwhelmed right now, and maybe they need a time off or, or, or a leave of absence or, or, or some change in their schedule. Or they could be late because they're interviewing for jobs and they're, you know, already three steps out the door, and, and, and that's a different discussion as well. So we, we really try to get to root issues, focus on the long term, give people the space they need. We've had, we've had a lot of people who have um, personal issues or family issues, and we've, we've asked each of them, you know, what, what, they, what they needed during that time. I, I can think of an example. We had two high performers who were dealing with parents who were terminally uh, ill. You know, one was a more uh, imminent situation, and, and, and they really just needed a couple weeks off and to totally disconnect, and we said, you know, go do that. <laughs> You're playing the long game, and that's what they needed. And the other was, was just a longer process, and actually they wanted to spend a day or two a week when, when the parent was handling treatment, but the other days of work, they really wanted to work and, and not deal with it. And so we organized the schedule uh, that way and said, look, I, you know, don't get stuck in between. Like, be here and be engaged, and, and we don't want people to feel like they have to manage around you or, or you know, tell us when you're not here and leave. So we really tried to you know, understand what the business needed, uh, understand what they needed personally to, to show up and, and be 100%, and, and also you know, play the long game with people. I mean, I'm, you know, stuff happens, and I, I can't imagine asking someone to you know, have to choose between you know, work and family or something like that when, when, it's not, when the work is not the life and death situation. Yeah, that's great. I, a call out for our listeners. Ideally, one would have a work environment and bosses who are asking, who are sensing and creating that safe space. If that's not happening for you, it's on you to just ask for what you need. Help people understand, trust that really people do want to, to help you to flourish by giving you what you need. And you've got to ask, right? So please, for folks who are in tough situations, um, people can't help if they don't know. And it is on us to be, to be open about that. Uh, Bob, when you, you know, coming in as a leader, I can imagine your early days um, as a chief executive. And now, I mean, can you look back probably with a lot of humor, some things perhaps that, you did uh, or maybe weren't so skillful, and, and it's a little bit about your own personal growth journey. We'd love to share some of that. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I share this story when we're doing the leadership training for our new managers, but I, I think for a lot of us when we start leading, we, we look around to people that, that we uh, respect, right? I might look at Molly, I might look at Jeff or Steve or Sarah, and and sort of amalgamate a best practices of, of leadership skills and, and managerial skills, and I think that's what I did. And I, and I remember a specific instance with um, handling, um, I was frustrated with some people who went to a conference and were, were up too late and uh, uh, had too much to drink and weren't ready to perform the next morning, and I talked to someone else, and he's like, here's what I do. And he, you know, his, he, he had a very sort of draconian policy around it and that really fit him and his personality and and I decided to sort of adapt that and it just it just wasn't me it's not it didn't sound like me it's not how I would do but but I appreciated how he did it and and so so my evolution was really you know was an intense leadership uh training and and some time to reflect on my core values and 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 I went through about five or six years ago pretty transformative period of saying all right, I've collected all these best practices. Someone just don't feel right. I, I, need, to re, I, I need to understand who I am, who, who my core values are, 
how to be authentically and unapologetically sort of myself, and, and that's how I'm going to lead. And, and, and so that was a process about a year or two. Um, I ended up changing the core values of the company, narrowing them down, kind of sharing my values with everyone, saying, here's our vision, here's what I believe in. If you agree, great. If you don't, like, could be a good time to, to, to exit. And that's the same thing that we now train some of our leaders on, really understanding themselves first and, and, and who, who they are authentically and how they can share that um, with, with, with their teams. Um, so that's definitely a big change for me. I think I, I, I sort of wore other people's clothes uh, in my early, my early <laughs> innings of leadership, and, and, and now I'm pretty consistently, you know, who, who I am and comfortable in my, in my own skin. Well, I really applaud that, and listeners, listeners will know that I often use the term do the work, and that is something that's on us, and what I'm hearing you do and want to encourage all folks is give yourself permission to get to know you and to be you, and that is not you know, an overnight process, as you point no, out. No, it's and, really, <laughs> and it's a, It's definitely a journey, and we've got kind of spurts of uh, growth spurts, uh, as I'm hearing that you went through. So, Bob, you know, looking, I mean, I just love the fact that you're feeling so in your own skin and grounded. Looking ahead, what's an area or two that you see as your kind of next growth area? Um, I think my my next growth area is um, a lot of times for someone who's in the visionary role in the organization, it's it's I, I see things and trends happening before I think they're, they're obvious to the rest of the organization. And uh, so I, I raise those things sometimes, and, and, and people sort of ignore them <laughs> because it's too early. And, then, and we're, you know, we're having one of those moments now, but something I talked about a year ago, I thought we'd maybe be in this position around this issue. And, and, and then that's starts to materialize, and then I get really frustrated saying, you know, I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> uh, so I, I need to become better at sort of communicating those thoughts, uh, you know, raising the red flags, the things, the things that I'm good at, and figuring out, like, how and when to, to have those, those discussions to bring people on board. Uh, if it's too early, it's really, sometimes it's hard to get them on board, but I, I, I don't want it to be too late and then find myself in a, in a frustrating position. So uh, one of the things I've had to learn is, is really to differentiate my, my own voice with the team around like, hey, this is something that's on my radar and hey, this is something like I'm really concerned about or I really think it's going to be an issue and, and, and kind of raise that um, earlier because it's happened to me a bunch in, in the last couple of years. And, you know, you re- I just don't, I don't want to be in a position where, I, you know, you, you're saying, I told you so, <laughs> and, I, and, be really, and be really frustrated about that. That's fantastic. I appreciate your sharing that um, openly with us. So um, as with all of uh, my callers, now is the time for your Say It Skillfully challenge, Bob. Is there a particular tough conversation or sensitive situation I can help you with? Yes, I have a great timely one that you can help me with, and I bet you can help a lot of other leaders. And that is, I think a lot of organizations right now are looking at, you know, the coronavirus and some of the dislocation to the global economy, and they they know it's not good, but they don't actually know what it's going to mean. And I don't think we've seen all the implications on 
companies and industries and things that are going to really struggle in the short term. And so, you know, as we start to <clears throat> open up our chain of communication within the company, um, you know, I want to sort of open this window to, to employees, but also, uh, you know, be, be real, but, but, but also not scare them because, again, you know, we don't know. So I think it's a delicate balance of, like, these are the times when people need to, you know, kind of, kind of buckle up and 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 do the important things, and and you know, we'll probably make some uh, harder decisions, but at the same time, you know, not panic or, or or start to believe that everything's out of their control. So I think that's a, I think that's a delicate message that myself and other leaders are going to have to be communicating over the next weeks and months. So I'd love your feedback on that. That's a great one, and I appreciate your raising it. And I was just yesterday in a forum with probably. 10 or so folks, a number of leaders. And, you know, I'd, I'd say that your values, Bob, are your biggest strength. Um, and yeah. again, so there's the, there are the facts and you want to help people get to this shared reality of what do we know. You know, the energy that leaders exude, which is, to your point, you don't want to be crazy confident like you're, you know, delusional because we don't know a lot of the facts. But that, you know, a sense of this too shall pass. We will get through this. And we're going to get through it best by being together and, and dialing down on the things that you really had have made you successful and calling out that, that we're here for each other, um, that we understand for some folks it is particularly um, stressful if, let's say, you have older parents. You know, some of the folks are reading this, and it can be very scary. So to acknowledge where people are at the same time to, to comfort people, say, look, we're going to be in it together, and we are going to get through this. Um, and I think the business impacts, um, you know, every day, it does seem like, wow, you know, if you have big firms starting to call it out, we could start to roll down. And I think to be able to just be, you know, into the facts and not necessarily ban, you know, kind of pile on, I think is going to be really important. I think that will differentiate folks. So um, I appreciate you bringing it up. It's, you know, I do think it's a, a time to be super um, empathetic and compassionate. Um, and I think also think it's a time for a lot of um, kind of love within the ranks. I w- for leaders, I would encourage you not to feel like it's all on you, but that if everybody can be there for everybody else, it's really a collective win. How's that land for you? That's good. I don't know if you could hear me furiously writing as you were talking, <laughs> but I got some, got some good, good notes on a letter I'm drafting. <laughs> That's great. Well, it is recorded, so we will have a chance to um, to roll it on the on the replay. Um, I know you're busy, uh, executive. Um, I'm really grateful that you shared time with me today, Bob, and your great thoughts. Um, I also am applauding all the folks at Acceleration Partners because the kind of success you have and the way you have it is a great example for the rest of the, uh, the world, frankly. So keep at it. I'm cheering for you. Uh, do you have a top takeaway before we wrap? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, early, early, uh, tied to what I said before, um, I, I think when you have a distinctive point of view as a leader and you get comfortable, um, one of the, the paradoxical things um, for me was having to learn how to just not make everyone happy <laughs> and realize that when you have a distinctive point of view or something you believe in, pe- people are going to like it, other people are not going to like it, and, and it's better to, to really find, I think, your tribe and, and, and be locked in on that than to have sort of a, a kind of trying to be everything to everyone and maybe not, not really meaning anything to the people that matter most. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love what you're doing. I'm here for you. Loop back if I can help at all. I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Um, And I thank you for always being part of the solution, Bob. Thanks, Molly. Take care. Now, a reminder, if you do have a question for me you'd like to ask, you can please ring 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. And we'll get to our first caller, who is Mary. Mary, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hey, Molly. It's good to be on uh, your show. And uh, my first question, actually, is how do I get a job with Bob? He's amazing. (laughs) I was saying the same thing. There's all these people like, what is that company? Let me Google it and see what they're doing. Right, right. So, and um, before my question, can I just tell you how much I admire and support this amazing work you're doing to encourage employee engagement and work solutions? I think your strategies and tactics are really good. I so appreciate you, uh, Mary, saying that and joining me and really being example for all. And I think that's what's been really gratifying is how it's resonated in every within everyone, right, who's listening. There's a chance to be more a part of the solution. So that's why why we're all here. Uh, so what question is on your mind, Mary? I'm really keen to hear what's on your. Well, it actually is a question that applies both to the workplace as well as the world of working with volunteers, which is actually where I spend most of my time currently. And here is the situation. Um, There's a program, it's a volunteer situation, and a program I have um, ultimate responsibility for making sure it's successful. And the individual who's volunteered to manage the program has a good track record, and so at the beginning I'm feeling good about this person in the role. However, I'm finding that they're not willing to delegate any of the tasks that are part of the program and particularly important to reaching the shared goals. And so short-term deadlines are being missed, and other volunteers on the team who've offered to take up some of these specific tasks um, are, you know, just basically being politely told, no, I got it covered. So I've been unable to convince or cajole or demonstrate importance of delegating tasks so that we can all be successful. And I'd love to hear your suggestions on ways to help get this volunteer full with delegating to others. And I'm just wondering, do you think it's maybe a generational approach? Wow, that's real. The delegation is always a top topic. I appreciate you bringing it up. And first, let me thank you for your service uh, to the social sector, to volunteer causes. I think it's really imperative when we've got private sector experience um, to kind of work across the boundary. So that's a big win. Uh, So I thank you for that. So I have a question um, about this person. Do they, um, when it's been, how has it been brought up to them before in terms of the behavior of hoarding all the work. I'm just curious, what exactly have you said? You know, I, you know, I have you know, she's got a new job, and she's relatively new to her volunteer organization. So I don't know if they behave the same way in the workplace, um, or, so I don't know, I don't have any background on it. 
Okay. And then for, have, have you, what have you asked her specifically when you said, let's just call her Anne. Anne, you know, we love that you're helping here. And what, what have you exactly said to her? Well, I've said, for instance, um, you know, and have you followed up with Tim the way we talked about he could help with, you know, this task or, um, you know, provided Anne with different names and specifics and trying to break it down into very small, manageable chunks. So it, I don't think it feels like giving up authority or anything like that. Okay. Okay. So here's the here's what I'm. I'll put forth. Um, so f- we'll just call this person Anne. I think Mary, from your standpoint, it is about this shared reality. It's very obvious to you, not delegating and the impact of it. I'm not sure that Anne quite gets that, and that's the first and foremost thing. Obviously, your energy um, being uh, um, compassionate. Um, that she's got another job, being appreciative that she's working, all that is, is helpful to set a positive tone. And it might be, and can we do a checkpoint? Because I'm noticing some things um, um, that are happening and they're not, they're perhaps not uh, having the impact on the organization I know you want to have. So you haven't, it's not like a catastrophic sense, but it's not like this is going to be a perfect conversation, right? It's now a good time. And then I'm noticing, and just point out the behaviors, not that you didn't give X or you kept X. Saying, you know, I'm noticing in this last project, this was what went on in, in terms of the dynamic. See, are you getting head nods, right? And then say, you know, and I, right. from my standpoint, it's really important that we get to this impact. And I know you want this impact too. And then call out the impact of whether it was a missed deadline or what have you. And see, you know, is she nodding her head? And then saying, I'm, you know, again, I'm not close with you. I'm not seeing every move, but gosh, I'm wondering, you know, do you have a, what does it feel like for you when you have other people helping you? Don't use the word delegate for sure, but, you know, and just see what attitude this and may have on there. And so, you know, so may, if I may, what I'm seeing is it, it feels like we're making it a little bit harder and we're not giving other people in the organization a chance to be part of the team and participate. So it's a different way, you know, it's, it's about how can we all come together and do the work and see what Anne says. And, and I think there's something in the behavior she has, Mary, that's serving her. That's why she does it, right? So it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's probably how she's been super successful in her job, potentially. And so the extent that you bubble it up and say, so, you know, then you might ask, how do you think, Bob felt, right, when we missed the deadline and he didn't really have a chance to help out or what have you. And so anytime you can get someone in someone else's shoes, even if they're not doing it, you know, not that quite getting it, that, that is always like, wow, I don't know. What would it be like for Bob? You know what we're going to do right now, folks? We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent by identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent 
Their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. I was in the midst of a conversation with Mary about a volunteer she works with who doesn't appear to be delegating, and I love technology when it works, but it wasn't working that well, so I'm hoping, Mary, that we have a better audio connection with you now. Um, I had shared the, yeah, I think the question you had was around how do you get um, Anne, we're calling her, to perhaps appreciate what it's like to be in someone else's shoes for the teammates that perhaps aren't getting the work that she'd like. Was that the question you had, Mary? Yes, that's right. And your suggestions included modifying, you know, the focus is to modify her behaviors and maybe get her thinking about uh, how her teammates are feeling. Yeah. And so I think there's there's a lot, because the volunteer, you know, I get it, because you're not really with the person like every day at work. So I think it's about cutting to the, the chase about, wow, you're so great. We want to do great work. You know, I, I, for us at the organization, teamwork is a great um, uh, focus for us and seeing where she's at with it. And so, you know, one of the things, Anne, for us, teamwork is the ability to share the work mm-hmm. and see what she says, right? So, you know, so right. just help me out here. I noticed in this last thing, and we, we did miss the deadline or what have you, you know, what do you think could have happened? And just see if, you know, she's starting to engage with you where the tension is. And then mm-hmm. if you're noticing, okay. right, say, you know, how about, what if, what if you had given, I'll just run this by, what if you had given these two people these chunks of work and see what she says? Oh, my gosh, it didn't right. even dawn on me. Or, mm-hmm. well, you know, and so, you know, and, and play with, you know, work with her emotional state. Oh, um, well, you know, he doesn't really, he, he doesn't know that work. Mm-hmm. You might say, right. say, oh, right. And so mm-hmm. rather than get her to like, do the action, ask, unpack, oh, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. How do you think yeah. Bob feels? And mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and then I think part of that is just, you know, there could be a vulnerability about delegating in the past where mm-hmm. she got hammered which is, of course, a great way to never delegate again <laughs> if you delegated right. and you got hammered, right? So you right. can see this little bit of lightness. So is that giving you some ideas? Yes, yes. No, this has been really helpful. Um, yeah, looking for the, well, suggestions to look for the point of engagement, as you call it. Yeah, I'm going to also encourage that I think sometimes for volunteer work, we're 
we feel like, well, you know, they're doing us a big favor. They're, you know, they're, this is volunteer stuff. That doesn't mean we don't want to, you know, work in a constructive, a productive, effective, mm-hmm. efficient way. So right. just yeah, give yourself permission to say, hey, it doesn't mean you're being mean. You're trying to serve your organization the best you can, mm-hmm. Mary. So, so know that that's where you're standing from. Right. That might give you more confidence so that you don't feel like you're, you know, afraid that you're going to offend someone. I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but sometimes that, that happens when we're working with volunteers. Right. No, that's also a really good point to help them understand because it's, you know, right now, this point in my life, it is my major focus, but appreciating and remembering the days when I was working very full-time and taking on volunteer roles and that juggling yeah, I think it's making it a big win for that person too. Like, look at you could do less and mm-hmm. have a better impact. <laughs> Who right. wouldn't love that? Do less and get more done. We'd love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Mary, you've been super to call in. Any other questions or follow up? Uh, no, you've given me some real specific guidelines, and um, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's great. Is there a particular top takeaway you're leaving with? Um, I. I think it is to think more about really helping uh, and understand, um, you know, the feelings of her teammates. And hopefully that's a, and I love your phrase, you know, finding the point of engagement for the conversation with her rather than going through my checklist of, did I try this? Did I try this? Did I try this? But really listening more to each of her responses. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I thank you for calling in. I'm here for you if um, you want to follow up and need any other thoughts. And uh, most of all, I appreciate you being part of the solution, Mary. Okay. Thanks, Molly. Enjoy the day. Thanks. Okay. Our next caller is Kate. Kate, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you. Thank you very much, Molly. Um, Today, I was interested in a problem that I've seen in a number of organizations. I'm part of a sales group, and as you probably can imagine, the larger producers are always the most powerful people in the room. And we have one particular person who isn't typically well-intentioned, but her behavior gets ignored because of her production. And I'm wondering if you have any ideas on how the team can impact that given that she seems to have a disregard for the rest of the group. Wow. Thank you for raising this. This is, I have heard this a lot and the experience for the rest of the group seems like a a different set of rules for someone. Um, Like we'll kind of turn our head to the side with a blind eye because the person cranks in the results. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And it's, this is, um, and I really, for all folks, whether you're experiencing it or for leaders, it's really a hit on the culture. And while it can be something that serves for a short term and the longer term, it doesn't, it's not a long-term success. So I do want to encourage folks to really be open to the fact if this is going on in your organization, because my sense is it goes on a lot more than people acknowledge. So um, I think it's easy to um, create the person as the bad person, bad guy, 
And I would first offer to just have some amount of self-compassion for the sense that this person has been doing this and got, if you will, gotten away with it. And so they're just doing what they can do, you know? And so while we may have a different moral construct, this person, you know, doesn't have that. And, and to, while we don't agree with them to not at least make them bad or awful person as a human, because that doesn't really help us in, in trying to figure out a solution. So that's just something from an energy standpoint we can do, which is to give some benefit of the doubt. The, Transparency fact, you know, for the teammates is huge, which is not to talk about someone, but to raise the topic. And, you know, I'm noticing that we may not on the team have consistent norms or, um, you know, you can even use a bit of, of, of ethics. And just to see where people are on that without calling out particular behaviors and say, what do we stand for? And the things we stand for are, um, open communications or following rules, whatever the things are in the organization, and at least getting folks to see what those um, are and, and then say, okay, so when, when, when po- folks aren't following it, like, what do we do? And I think, you know, it's so obvious to you that there's two sets of rules. And I think if everyone starts to realize, well, we've got these two sets of rules, okay, we've got these two sets of rules, and so what does that say about us? And, you know, I, I think for leaders, it is a touchy thing. I mean, I've seen this because they don't want to ruffle the feathers. What is, is I talked to Mary about, if the leader can then realize what is the experience for others, how demoralizing potentially, you know, what's, what's the experience for us and having them realize that, wow, is this what we want, you know, a large share of our organization to feel and to point out the inconsistency without making them bad or wrong. So let me just pause for a second. Conceptually, does that make sense? I, I think um, they, part of it is that they don't know how to handle it. And I, I think what would be really helpful is to understand solutions, assuming it's not going to change. What can the rest of the team do to lift their spirits and feel cohesive? Okay. So if it's not going to change, and I do feel bad about that, um, <clears throat> I, I would want the leaders to own that, um, which is not, again, they're the leaders, they can make the choice, that's their prerogative. And to be whole with that, I do think is being part of the solution, which is to say, we get that you can make the call. We just want folks to know that, want you to know that this is the impact on us. And to have even one or two asks so that there is something that they could do that would make it better may be an option because I think that's, there's a certain amount of solidarity for the team. And then, you know, I, I think you want to keep the rest intact because it's easy for people to say, look, I don't want to be here. If that's how they're going to enable, you know, one person people could leave. And if you really want to keep them saying, look, this is a part of our reality. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And what would you like to have happen? So to co-create for the team together, what can, you know, what's our best, if you will, defense to this? And again, not to take down the other person, but what is the environment that we want to create for us so that we can be the best we can be given that this is going on and, and having everyone have a voice in that? I'll pause for a moment. Interesting. So, and, and maybe if we can celebrate successes 
outside of that, as a result of that collaboration, we could make people feel good about it and not highlight this other behavior as much. Exactly. So you're really creating the sense of what can we do together. And then with the more senior folks, right? If, if it's, if this is going on, at least let's not make it a wink wink. Say, we got it. It's going on. Here's the ask. We've got this group of folks here who've really rallied and let's get some love for the group from the senior folks on that, which is totally doable, right? They may still enable this other portion to work the way they're working. That doesn't mean they don't acknowledge greatness from the rest of the group and kind of a, a sense of cohering and coming together. So you're advocating as my takeaway, sort of providing the awareness to the management team and then more of a, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Let's collaborate together and try to work alongside of this situation. Yeah, that's a tough one. If you really feel like it can't change, I think that's, to me, um, a way for people to say, look, we get it, we hear it. It's not, I don't love it. I w- if I were at the top, I don't think I would, I would, you know, we could do that. And here's what we have done. I, I do think that with leaders, and it may, it may feel like they're never going to change. If you can give yourself permission to think, well, maybe there's a 2% chance that the senior folks could change. Um, it might be, you know, and, and you know, this takes some working within in the system to say, hey, you know, here's what's going on. And what is it, like, what are you afraid of? And, and then, then kind of, again, it has to be delicate. You know, how do you think this reflects on you? And some people don't really care, and I got that. But a lot of folks, most folks are pretty self-interested. And at some point, it's like this, you know, they may not really connect those dots that this just doesn't really look good for you. And here's what we could do to be part of the solution. Let's just say, what could we do? And, and to engage in things that the rest of the group perhaps could help with so that um, it feels, you know, I have some compassion for these folks. So they, it's, they're not leading the way we would like to lead and they don't really know what to do. And so at least with the group to say, here's, here's something, you know, all of a sudden now even the senior leaders are part of the group in, in a way to kind of work this. Hmm. Well, I always appreciate your comments of uh, asking questions to get the other person thinking and bringing in their, it's the effect on them because, you know, a lot of times for people, it's all about them and not everybody else. So if you can shine that light in that direction, it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's it. I appreciate this one is a really tough one to crack. I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are listening going, yep, there's stuff like that. And I get it. And you know, I do encourage folks, um, if, you, if you decide you want to stay, then you make the best of it. And even if it's an inch forward and there's some progress, hey, that's a win. And to give yourself um, credit for that. And then for others, you know, if, if the environments don't really resonate, I do encourage folks to think about places where you can be, where you can be your best, because those are the places that deserve you. You know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and my heart is always on my, in, um, by my feet. Um, Kate, when I hear these kinds of things, that it really bums me out, and I, and I kind of get how it feels caught between a rock and a hard spot. 
So um, keep me posted if there's uh, other things I might help with. I um, Definitely. And to. these words of wisdom are so helpful and keep at it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being part Thank of the solution. You. you take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. So we'll wrap with um, a, an article that I read that I wanted to share with folks. Um, is from Wired article, and there's this whole work smarter section, and I'll be upfront in that this kind of caused the hair on my neck to go up. Um, they there was an article about um, how Silicon Valley has ruined work for everyone everywhere. The 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week culture has seeped into almost all working life. Um, I don't know the person who wrote the article, and I'm not making that person a bad person. I um, found it not helpful in the sense that um, it seemed to be encouraging, kind of ranting. It was a bit more sensational, more victimized, and not solution-oriented. And I wanted to use this as an example um, for things that people might be able to say if they were feeling this experience at work. And one of the things in the article was, you know, they talked about um, uh, another thing about Slack channels and that um, bosses are diving in and they people are feeling they're being washed and micromanaged all the time and you can't get on with your work. So, you know, I, I, I just feel like publications really um, have the opportunity and responsibility to provide more solutions. I appreciate that people don't always have a great experience at work. I don't think that the ranting victimization tone is useful. And I, believe me, I rant, sometimes we need to rant, shut the door and rant. I want to encourage folks to really be constructive and productive because that's really the, the positive is what's going to help us get out of there. So if, in fact, people are experiencing 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week, um, I think the opportunity is to raise it with colleagues and with leadership and just first just, hey, is this what's going on for us? And to be able to share, you know, I get that we've got these great perks at work and, it, you know, and we have dinner and all this great stuff. It feels like it's actually encouraging us never to leave and to never stop working. I know that I could do it, but I feel a little bit vulnerable because if I'm the only one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like people are going to call me out. And that's, I get that that's a hard statement, but believe me, everyone else feels the same way. So, Tackling this topic and saying, hey, what environment really is going to help us to produce our best work and our best work together is, is something that each of us really has an opportunity to co-create. And I, I really want to encourage folks, if you're at an environment, whatever it is that you don't really think helps everyone be their best, it's your great opportunity to raise it. Not making anyone bad or wrong. If it is what it is, it is what it is. But let's at least acknowledge it, be open to it. And then figure out a way forward. The um, the 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 seeped into almost all working like six days a week. I think that's a big excuse for folks. So many folks, and you heard Bob, who's kicked off our show. You know they've made conscious choices about how they work, when they work, and I want to encourage folks to do that for yourself. And no organization that, that wants to go the distance wants to have people that feel you know abused berated exhausted i mean that is just not what people want i get that that is happening i really do so i'm not i'm not trying to deny that for folks but i want to give people 
you know, the, the, the notion that you can have the courage to just say, hey, this is what I really need. And to connect the dots for folks and create solidarity with folks, say, what is the environment that we think is really going to help us to thrive together? So that's a thought for folks. Um, I really would appreciate uh, any e- emails or, or uh, feedback on that because there's nothing um, that really you know, like, I really want more than for people to feel like you really can be who you are, um, that you can say what you need to say, and that you, know, you can learn from people around you and they can learn from you. So um, my thought for the week is around uh, gratitude. Um, and I, every night before I go to bed, I actually have a gratitude journal. And it has really been a game changer uh, for me. I typically have great days. I'm not someone that I, I tend to stay pretty positive. But at the end of the day, I'll jot down things that I'm grateful for. And I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be big stuff. It could be what I had for dinner. It could be a meeting that I had. It could be my family, my, um, the weather that was out there. And it really is something that's um, helped me, I think, uh, be more positive for myself and give myself um, energy to be able to be positive for other folks. My good friends, uh, Chester Elton and AJ Godstick, today is a book launch for them. It's a book called Leading with Gratitude. I do want to put a plug in for it because I think it's really what we need much more of in the world. Um, so I offer that to you, um, and I also want to share my gratitude for all of you listeners and folks who have been part of the solution in helping people um, be who they are and say what needs to be said. Uh, so I want to thank you for tuning in. It's a wrap for our show. Do reflect on your own top takeaways, and um, I'm always cheering for you to be who you are, to say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality that is essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work in all of your life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 